What's up, everybody? It's your boy Enigma, and I'm back here with another past and present episode. And today, I'm going to discuss one of the greatest shows, if not the greatest show in the world, in my opinion, and that is The Wire. What I want to talk about today is I want to rank each season of The Wire. If you haven't watched The Wire, then I don't know what's going on with you because this was when television was at its finest, in my opinion. It's about the Baltimore drug trade, and that's kind of simplifying it because there's so much more that's involved with this show, and I want to get into it um, when I discuss each and every uh, season. But I decided... I'm such a fan of the show that there's always a ranking system on which season was the best, which season was the worst. And I'm going to tell you right now, the worst season of this show would probably be the best season of any other show out there. I mean, it's just that good. It follows the police force who are basically doing an investigation into the drug trade, but as the seasons progress, you get another piece of the puzzle. So the first season basically deals with the police shop doing an investigation the second season jumps into the um more of the uh what do you call it the <laughs> it just escapes me for the, the docks i'm sorry so basically the importing of the drugs and then season three deals with the politics are really introduced and heavy in that season four deals with the schools and season five deals with the media or in this case the newspaper so sit back and relax i'm about to go through each season on which one was the um least favorite to the you know, my favorite season of all time. And again, there are no bad seasons in this show. One of the things that I liked about this show is there were no wasted episodes. Um, shows like Breaking Bad and The Sopranos, which are normally mentioned as some of the greatest television of all time, they had some filler episodes, um, especially uh, The Sopranos. Before The Wire, The Sopranos was actually my favorite show of all time. But the Wire took it to a different level. I mean, each and every episode is needed. There is no filler episodes like, hey, we have a budget of, you know, 10 episodes. We got to fill it with something. Each and every episode matter. And like Lester Freeman would say, all the pieces matter. And it's very rare to have a show like that because most shows do have where it's, you know, they have a certain amount of episodes they have to fill and they have the storyline, but they just need to fill the episodes, um, the infamous fly episode from breaking bad is one that comes to mind where they spend the entire episode searching for a fly it's ridiculous none of that in the wire so sit back relax let's go ahead and start it off with number five okay coming in at number five is actually season five of the wire now again this was not a bad season by far, but compared to the other seasons, I think it was the one that um, didn't live up to the the high standard I set for The Wire. And there's really two reasons. Um, the first reason has to do with the whole um, homeless killings thing. I mean, I really, I understand why they did it for plot appearances or plot, uh, plot purposes, but I honestly did not think that was the most realistic thing that we've seen in the wire now 
it'll surprise me because some of the stuff that they've come up with has actually been, you know, from real life. So it wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past them that this actually happened in some form or another. But I don't know. I just found that whole plot there just, it wasn't wasteful because it did move the plot forward. It was allowing McNulty to get some money to do actual real police investigation. So there was a purpose for it, but it just wasn't my cup of tea, if we're being honest. And then the second thing is the newspaper. Now, the creator worked in the newspaper, and so he wanted to show that side of it, too, which I understood, you know, because if I was creating a series, I'd like to kind of show what jumped me into this whole drug game or basically how the politics work in the newspaper as well. So that um, those two point lines there is the reason why I ranked it. Um, number five out of the five seasons. Um, it has some great things in this season, and I'll go ahead and give you my favorite scene. So there's two, actually. Um, the first favorite scene is the death of Prop Joe. And the reason why that was such a good scene is because Proposition Joe, you've seen him since the first season. He's always behind the scenes doing different deals and things like that. And he survived a long time. You know, he wasn't under police investigation. Well, he was, but they never got anything on him. And, you know, he was always the slick behind the scenes guy. Buy for a dollar, sell for two, as what he used to say. And to be betrayed by his nephew, Cheese, I mean, it was just, <laughs> you know, it was a good scene. He Here he is bringing Marlo, who is the new powerhouse, along, showing him the ropes on how to survive in the game. And Marlo basically just takes it from him after he's figured he's learned every lesson that he needed to. And as we know, the police ended up catching up with Marlo anyway. Even though it was an illegal wiretap or whatever that they had set up, he still got caught. So if Prop Joe was still there, this would have never happened. So it was kind of a touching scene, you know, because you've been with Prop Joe since the beginning. And just to see him taken out like that, I mean, it was hard. It was one of those scenes that, uh, yeah, it, <laughs> I felt bad for Joe in that scene, especially after the betrayal that he took. And then my second favorite scene is the ending montage. So you'll have a lot of shows that go off air and they always leave different things open, you know, maybe don't settle all storylines. That's not the case for The Wire. The Wire basically showed from beginning to end why the system isn't working. I mean, this isn't just about Baltimore. This could be about New Orleans. It could be about New York, L.A., Detroit, Atlanta, Houston, any inner city. That these are the type of problems that they face. And they're showing you right there why nothing gets fixed. And one thing I liked about it is you see that it just continues on. What I mean by that is, so, you know, Omar died in this um, season two, which I... The reason why it didn't, wasn't one of my favorite scenes because of who did it. You know, it was Kennard. I really didn't care for that. I mean, yeah, it was a little surprising, I guess, but um, you were expecting more from it. But Omar's gone, so guess what? Michael takes his place, okay? You have uh, Bubbles. He's in recovery, starting to get his life together. And guess what? Duquan, he's the new dope head in the season. Well, not in the season, but at the end of the season. Um, you know, the commissioner was Daniels. He was going to make some real changes. And guess what? He gets pushed out for a Stan Valchek, somebody else who will fall in line. I mean, it's just on and on and on. Uh, Norris became the the uh, mayor. 
um, another part of the old regime, nothing changes. It's like every the next generation just goes back and does the same thing, which is the reason why nothing ever gets fixed. And I think The Wire showed that from beginning to end excellently, and I loved how they wrapped it up with the montage. I mean, again, a lot of shows leave open-ended stuff, not The Wire. Number four. All right, coming in at number four is season two. And I was back and forth with this one because I'm one of the few people who actually like season two. I know they said when BET used to air The Wire, they would always skip season two because it dealt with the ports and a lot of the, you know, the white folks in the the import game and all that and it really wasn't as interesting but i beg to differ actually i went back and forth between ranking it here and one more spot up but i actually enjoyed it i mean you had some compelling characters there you had frank sabaka who was introduced um you had uh nick sabaka who was his nephew and then you had his son ziggy um what we had here was the import you know that you've seen the drug level on the ground you've seen the folks in the projects, you've seen the Avon Barksdales um, at this point in time, and you, the prop Joe made a, a small appearance in the first season. But what you didn't see is how the drugs were actually getting into the city, and I think it's important to show that. And also, when dealing with the Greeks, who were the main importers of the drugs and uh, the prostitutes and all that, you got to see a different side of it that if you were... In the inner cities, you've kind of seen the on-the-front drug game, but to see it from behind, um, it was very interesting. And also, you see that poverty just isn't a quote-unquote black or you know minority thing. It's affecting the white folks as well. Um, in this case here, the docs are dying. You know, I believe uh, Nick Sabaka told his uncle one time, you try surviving on four days a month work. Think about that. Working four days out of the month, you're trying to survive, you know, in a dying industry. And that's all you know. And especially for Nick Sabaka, because apparently he struggles with technology, which they pointed out very well throughout the season. Um, but the funny thing about this investigation is it started just off an argument between Nick Sabaka. I'm sorry, not Nick, but Frank Sabaka and Stan Valchek. So without that you <laughs> you would have never had a season i mean they and I, i'm gonna talk about this when i get to season one about the police but that's all it started it just started with the beef so they actually started working and actually breaking down this entire operation just off a of beef between a police officer and one of the dock workers it's hilarious in my opinion um my favorite scene from season two is when ziggy after he shot up one of the greeks and he's in a jail. His father comes to see him. And it was a powerful, powerful discussion between the two. Now, if you know Ziggy watching him throughout the season, he looks like a screw-up. He looks like he basically is trying to live up to something that he can't you know, abide by. Like, he tried to do the drugs. He couldn't get that. He ended up messing up the package. Cheese came after him. So Nick Sabaka had to go fix that. His cousin. And, um, you know, everything he did was just for jokes. He was getting uh, bullied by Maui. Him and Maui had a little beef and, you know, people would just look at him as a joke. And that's basically how they treated him. And when he said that, um, talking to his father, he got tired of being the punchline to every joke. 
Um, what happened was to get him to that point, he made a deal that actually worked out for a change to steal cars for the Greeks and have them shipped back to overseas. And the Greek guy shorted him money because he had no respect for him. And that's when Ziggy just kind of lost his mind, went back, shot the guy up, ended up going to jail. I mean, it goes to show you that there's only so much that a person can take. You know, he was trying to be the bigger person. He was trying to be a better person and do things on his own, but he just wasn't built for it and he wasn't respected for it. And when he said that to his father that, you know, he just got tired of being the punchline, I felt that because he really did want to do things on his own, but he just was incapable of it. Nobody took him seriously, nor should they because of the way he act. And when he finally does something that works, that didn't have any repercussions, he shorted for it. So I thought that was a great scene. And again, I enjoyed season two. I don't know about a lot of people. Um, what are your thoughts on season two? Let me know in the comments. But me personally, I enjoyed season two, but it is ranked at number four right now. Number three. All right, coming in at number three, I'm going to go with season one. And this is basically the introduction to The Wire. So when the show first premiered, I didn't know what to expect, figuring it's another police drama type show that they have all on TV. But you could tell from the beginning that this was going to be something different. One of the things that I liked about this season and basically this show altogether is trying to get the police to actually do work. For some reason, <laughs> and I don't know why, but they don't want the police to work. You know, McNulty, who is, I guess, the closest thing that you have to a main character, he's basically, they watch a murder get beat in court by D'Angelo Barksdale, and to quote Michael Jordan, that's when he took it personal. And so he starts to bring all this information to the judge. The judge reaches out to the commissioner or deputy chief or whatever Burrell was at the time. And, you know, the, the police fought him. The, the higher-ups fought him all this way trying to get this case. They were setting up uh, Daniels and the uh, investigation union to fail because they gave him a bunch of sorry police officers. I mean, what did they expect? They didn't want to dig into this. I mean, he's telling you that Avon Barksdale, I'm talking about McNulty, telling you that Avon Barksdale runs the um, West Baltimore drug trade and he just beat you in court with the murder. And nobody wants to do anything about it. It is the funniest thing to me for some reason that the police just don't want to work, you know. And the more and more uh, McNulty tries to dig in, the more and more they push back. And that's what made the series so well. you also seen that it was authentic, that the way that they were doing things, you know, you see how an investigative unit is actually run. A lot of it is just basically sitting there monitoring the wire and you know, a lot of paperwork that goes into it. You really got a sense of more of what an investigative unit in the police squad actually does, as opposed to a lot of the dramas that you see on TV. And what did McNulty get? You know, after all of this, he was right. He, you know, made the biggest case in, I ain't gonna say the city history, but at least the biggest case that they've seen in a while. What was his reward? Being put on the Marine Union, uh, uh, sorry, Marine Unit that he did not want to go on. You know, they basically punished him for bringing in a good case. If this is how the real police work, 
It's a wonder on why nothing gets resolved. This is hilarious to me, and it really shows how broken the police are and what they do. And I understand that budget things and all that other stuff that goes into it, manpower, etc., etc. But if they would have stayed on this, they probably would have gotten Stringer Bell and a host of more people. But again, they kept getting pushback from the higher ups to close this case, close this case. And then when the politics started getting involved, you knew good and well it was about to be shut down. But overall, this was a great debut um, season uh, for the show. And my favorite scene in the season is obviously, and I'm going to keep it clean here because I'm trying to keep a clean podcast, but the whole F word crime solving scene. McNulty and Bunk solved an entire crime scene by just saying the F word and its derivatives. And it's hilarious that how they do it. And one thing I did notice about the first season, and I guess they did it for shock value just to kind of get people um, on board, is they did a lot more cussing than they did in the other seasons. I guess they really just wanted to kind of, you know, throw that out there just to let you know, hey, we're not that type of show. We are going to be raw with it, just like most of all of HBO's other shows. So, But that scene there where they basically solved an entire crime by just saying the F word and its derivatives was hilarious. It's probably one of the best scenes in the entire series. So good job. Great premiere. I enjoyed it. Number two. All right, coming in at number two, we're going to talk about season three. Now, season three bought into politics. And if you need to figure out why the inner city is broken, just watch season three because everything that went on in season three, I believe, actually goes on in real life in the inner city. The po- politics and the police is it, all about votes. They weren't as interested, I guess you would say, as cleaning up the streets as they were cleaning up the streets just so they can get more votes. Um, one of the scenes, they actually told Burrell, we want to have the murders to a certain number. It's like, how do you tell people, I want the murders to a certain number? He has limited resources. If Unless he bumps overtime, he can't really do much of anything. And plus, there's a drug war going on between Marlowe and the Barksdale crew. There was a lot that went into the season, and it only missed being number one slightly. I enjoyed season three. I thought the war between Avon and Marlowe was exceptional. The thing is, Marlowe was on his own type of path, I guess you would say. If you compare Marlowe to Avon, they really are the same type of people. They basically wanted power. And one of the things that you notice in this series, there are two types of drug dealers, um, for the most part, that are at the top. You have Stringer Bell, who wants to run the drug game like a business, and you have Avon Barksdale, who wants the power because he wants his corners. Now, I always said if I was a drug dealer, I'd probably be more like Stringer Bell because all I care about is the money. But it seems like the people who care about the money are the ones who get killed quick. Um, I compare it to in real life where you have uh, Paul Castellano who wanted to run the mafia like a business. And then you have John Gotti who was the one who liked the power. And you see what happened to Paul Castellano. He ended up getting shot (laughs) in New York. And it's the same dynamic here. 
Um, the only difference is Marlowe is a newcomer. Uh, not necessarily a newcomer, but he isn't as on Avon Barksdale's level until the end of the season where Avon finally gets his. Um, I always wondered if they actually let the battle go on, who would have actually come out on top. Marlowe still had the muscle. He, she, Marlowe had Monk, uh, Snoop, and uh, Chris Partlow. So he was, he was, you know, ready and set to battle. Whereas um, Barksdale only had Slim Charles and the guy... I always called him. He looks like Ricky Williams. Yeah, that Ricky Williams guy was horrible. He just basically was not muscle. He was just dumb. He caused more problems than he actually solved. So, yeah, I don't think Barksdale would have made it out of that alive. That's just me. All his muscle was either locked up or dead, um, with the exception of Slim Charles. So, um, yeah, I, it was an interesting thing there but we did get to see marlo and how he basically ascended from the ranks from between a i'd say probably like a mid-level dealer and then by the time the next season starts he's at the top of the game he's the biggest drug dealer in the west side so it was a great season going back and forth my favorite scene in this season was barksdale and stringer's final discussion and the reason why that was so good first of all the actors were great in their roles, but not even, you know, Wood Harris and uh, Idris Elba, but it wasn't even that. It was the fact that they both had betrayed each other at that point in time. Basically, Barksdale was betrayed by Stringer because Stringer told the cops where he was. Stringer wanted to get him off the streets so he can solve this whole Marlowe thing and get to business where he's making money, hopefully hoping that when Avon gets out, he'll see the benefit of it because they were making more money. You know, they didn't need the corners. They didn't need Marlowe's corners and he's about the money. So that's how he wanted to resolve it. But of course, Barksdale is the big man. Let's take him off the streets while I'll finish running things. So by the time old boy finally gets out of jail, everything will be resolved. So he betrayed his man for that. On the other end, Avon betrayed Stringer because Stringer had Brother Muzone, um, well, they, he tried to have Brother Muzone killed and it didn't work out. So Brother Muzone is back. He wants his vengeance and he wants to give it up. And Brother Muzone basically told Avon, hey, right now you have a line into New York, but if you don't give up your man, you're not going to, you know, I, I make no mistake. I'm not 100% sure what he meant by that. Like, was he going to go to war with him too? Or was there something that Avon had going on in New York that he would be cut off on if he didn't give up Stringer? Stringer lied to him. And so basically he gave up his boy. And so at the end, it all fell apart. But that final discussion where they were out in the balcony talking about, you know, how things were when they were younger, you could tell that both of them were really reminiscing and just feeling some type of way of doing what they had to do, but both felt they had to do what they had to do in order for, you know, to get to their main goal or in order to avoid being cut off from New York. So it was a touching scene and you can really tell the acting went into it. Anytime that Avon and um, Stringer had a discussion on screen, it was great, but I think that was probably the best time. Number one. And finally, coming in at the top spot is season four. This was the Michael Jordan season of The Wire. And initially when it first started, they started with the uh, school systems is what they added in this one. And, and of course, they had the uh, election for mayor as well. 
But what made this good, I didn't really see this coming because when they started bringing in young characters, I was like, eh, I don't know if I want to see kids and, and all of that. But the way they did it was they showed you why things are not working because the four kids that we focused on, um, they all had home problems. You had Michael, who is basically, and all these kids are in eighth grade, mind you. You had Michael, who's basically raising his younger brother because his mom is hooked on drugs. You have Duquan, whose whole family is hooked on drugs. You had um, Randy, who was in a foster home with a foster mother. And then you had Naaman, who was probably in the worst situation. His father is locked up as Weebay from the first season. And his mother is the dragon lady, as Bodhi called her. <laughs> I mean, she's a piece of work, basically forcing her son to be a drug dealer. And, you know, you want to blame the schools and make no mistake. The schools have their issues too, being underfunded and things like that. And then they're teaching basically the test to the kids, which is not really teaching them anything just so they can keep their funding going and all that. But each of these kids are going through situations that make it difficult. I want to talk about Duquan first. So his entire family is hooked on drugs. So he comes to school always dirty, smelling and things like that. And I think back as when we were kids, there was always that one or two students that used to come in the school, always smelling this and that. And as kids, you made fun of them because it was always funny to make fun of somebody who's different. And when you look at this show... <laughs> It's like, and make no mistake, you notice once you get older, but when you look at the show specifically, this kid had nothing at home. You know, he's basically living on his own when his family gets kicked out. He comes home one day, his family's been evicted, nobody's told him anything. He's in eighth grade. He can't, he's not an adult. He shouldn't be out there trying to fix things for himself, but he goes to school, he's smelling and people make fun of him, and, and it's sad. You know, it's not nothing that he's doing. It's just his home life situation. Um, same thing with Michael. Michael basically is raising his younger brother. That's not his job. Yes, his job is to be supportive of his brother, but his job is not to sit there and raise his younger brother. His mother is on drugs, and his... Well, at least uh, his younger brother's father gets out of jail and apparently there was some sort of um, inappropriate relationship that he did something to Michael and Michael ends up getting him killed. So, you know, at eighth grade, you're telling these kids to deal with these situations at eighth grade and be successful in life. So the home life basically makes it hard. So you take these four kids and you multiply them by, you know, a lot of classes have like... 25 to 30 kids in there and you have teachers who have to battle that in order to teach these kids to be successful. I mean, it is very, very sad that you have to go through that and it starts at home and then the schools are underfunded. You know, there's a lot of things that goes into that. <laughs> I mean, you're setting these kids up for failure and I, that's what makes me think or select this season as the best season of The Wire because it really, really hit home about these kids. Now, the one who's in the worst position at the beginning of the season, and I don't know, necessarily know if you call it the worst position, I thought it was the worst position, was Naaman because here's a kid 
who's in eighth grade and is basically being told that you're going to be a drug dealer just like your father. You know, the father is supporting this. The mother is pushing this. And Naaman's not built for it. You know, he is a good kid's under, you know, for the most part, what we find out in season five because he ends up um, being adopted, I guess you would say, by uh, Bunny Colvin and his wife. And he's thriving. He was doing some sort of debate thing and he's going to make it in life. He could do anything that he wanted, but he was being pushed into the drug game. And in my opinion, that was probably the worst situation to be in. And he's the one that made it out the best. Um, We talked about Daquan basically being the next Bubbles. He didn't have any family. They basically got evicted and you never seen them again. So he was basically homeless in eighth grade. And that was basically the end of it. So basically he hung with Michael for as long as he could. But eventually Michael had to leave because he got in some trouble with the uh, Marlowe and his crew. And so Michael becomes the new uh, Omar, basically robbing drug dealers. And Daquan becomes the next Bubbles. He's basically hooked on heroin. And then Randy, who in my opinion had the best potential because Randy was a business Man, he, he, well, business kid, I guess you would say. He basically would have owned his own business had he been brought into the fold instead of being labeled as a snitch and then threw back, he was thrown back into the group home, which is something he feared. And then when you see him in season five, he's become hardened now. He doesn't want to talk to cops. He learned his lesson after getting beat down for being a snitch. I mean, it was just sad. It was really sad that all these kids, and there were other kids on there too, like um, uh, the one who killed um, Omar, the one who killed Omar, um, Kennard. Yeah, Kennard was a little kid. He ended up getting arrested for killing Omar. His life is ruined. You had Donut. He was the one who was jacking all the cars. I don't know probably what happened with his life, but... It's just sad that you have these kids, all of these kids having to deal with all of that. And most of it is just their home life. They just didn't have any support at home or they forced to grow up faster than they needed to. And, you know, things happen like this and now they're stuck in the game. They're stuck in that vicious cycle. And then the school systems can only do so much being underfunded. And here we are. You know, it's it, it basically brings to light why the system doesn't work. And it's funny because The Wire is actually a college course in some universities. And because it's that real. This shows you why the cycle continues to fail. And I thought season four showed that best of all the seasons because now we're getting into the kids. Kids are supposed to be innocent. The only thing you should be worried about as a kid especially in eighth grade is, you know, how to talk to girls and, you know, what it's, what I'm going to be doing in class and things like that. These kids have real life issues that most adults wouldn't be able to survive. And yet we're going to put this on eighth graders. Um, it, It really was sad situation. I love season four for that. And of course the best scene in season four was Bodhi's death. Now, Bodhi has been around since the first season. I was really hoping he was going to make it. He was one of the favorite characters on there. He was a true soldier out there, and Chris and Snoop came for him, and he wanted to protect his corner. He didn't want to run off. He he just wanted to stand tall, and fortunately, it didn't work out for him. 
I really liked his character and I was really sad to see him go, but he really started to see how ruthless Marlo was because he's at the top of the drug game now and Marlo doesn't leave loose ends. If he thinks somebody's talking to the police, he gonna get him out there. And in this situation, he actually was true because um, Bodie had got tired of the way Marlo was doing things. Marlo was just killing people just for the hell of it, and Bodie didn't like it, and he was going to talk to the police about Marlo. And so Marlo did get lucky with this one and actually took him out, so it is what it is, you know, but he stood tall. And that's one of the things that I liked about Bodie's character is he was a soldier to the very end. He was loyal to whoever he was running with. Um, he had ended up killing uh, uh, Wallace in the first season, which a lot of people didn't really care for. And um, by the way, that was my first time of seeing uh, Michael B. Jordan was on The Wire so, as Wallace. So, yeah, he was uh, tasked to killing Wallace, who was a snitch too. Wallace was um, somebody that the police were using. So, in the street game, then it was a legit kill. But still, we liked Wallace. At least I did. Maybe some other people didn't, but anyways, that that's that's what made this whole show just so great. Basically, you got involved with these characters, you enjoyed these characters, and they didn't shy away from it. Like the drug game was you either end up jail in jail or dead. And when you watch the show, majority of the characters ended up that fate. Avon ended up in jail. Stringer ended up dead. Marlo ended up in jail, even though he cut a deal. But he basically ended up in uh, jail, too. Snoop, she ended up dead. Uh, Chris ended up in jail. Weebay ended up in jail. I mean, there really wasn't any drug dealers, unless you want to call Slim Charles, who basically made it. I mean, even Prop Joe ended up dead. Cheese ended up dead. <laughs> you know, so... They were showing that there was no real big um, finish for these drug dealers. This is basically where you end up, either dead or in jail. And I think the show didn't shy away from that. The show didn't shy away from saying how the police are broken, how they don't want to really do anything because they're too busy worried about their stats, which they showed in season three. Um, the schools are basically helpless to deal with a lot of the issues that the kids are facing. That's why the kids continue to struggle. And then in the media, basically, the media is telling you what they want just for awards and stuff. They don't really care about anything else. And the, the whole system is just broken. And The Wire didn't offer any ways to fix it. They're just showing you this is why it's not working. And I really wish that more people would watch this show, especially people in politics, so they can see what you're dealing with. This needs to be fixed. And the one shining light I'll bring up is Carcetti. Carcetti had a dream to really fix the city. And when he won as mayor, I was like, okay, so a lot of things are going to change. But then Carcetti couldn't get out his own way because now he's looking at governor. He's looking at a career. And so the regime that he broke up, the, the old mayor that he broke up, uh, Clarence Royce, their regime is now back because Norice was supposed to go after him, after Clarence Royce anyway, but Tommy jumped in there. But now he just brings her back in because he needs her support instead of the guy, uh, I think his name was Bond, who he really thought would be better for the city. He's too busy blinded by ambition. So the one man who looks like he's about to do something gets blinded by ambition and he's already the governor. 
And now Norris is back as the mayor, which is basically part of the plan anyway. And things just go on. So that's just my ranking of all the Wire seasons. And you can tell that I'm very passionate about this show. I love this show. Hell, I might watch you know a portion of it almost every other day because it is just compelling. I'm a writer too. So anytime that I need some motivation on some writing, I would always watch good writing. And basically The Sopranos, The Wire, portions of Game of Thrones, shows like that I'll always kind of watch back and forth because it inspires me to write. And you, you don't get better than this. I mean, I could sit here and talk about The Wire for another three to four hours and break down each character. But The Wire is just such a great show. And if you have not seen The Wire, well, you probably aren't listening to this podcast. But what are your thoughts? What do you think was the best season of The Wire? Did you think um, the school system season was the best season like I did? Or did you have something else in mind? Did you hate season two like a lot of people do? Um, You know, give me your thoughts. I'm going to put a poll up on Spotify that you can uh, vote for your favorite season. And um, if you have any other comments that you want to discuss, please leave it in the comments. Uh, The next couple of podcasts going to be Batman related because the Batman is premiering on I believe it's March the 4th so I'm probably going to do a Batman ranking and also do one of the Batman movies just to kind of build for that but um, yeah I'm enjoying this podcast so far I'm hoping that you're enjoying it as well but yes The Wire matter of fact I'm probably going to get off of here right now and go watch some of The Wire because I've gotten hyped up now I want to see The Wire again again excellent show Um, I hope you enjoyed this podcast and I will see you next time